Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I remember early on, I mean, I started in like 2008, and people were blogging two, three times a week. And I remember hearing conversations where it'd be like, man, I like commented on their blog, and they never like commented back. And then people were getting really sort of like self-conscious about who was commenting here and how many comments they got on a post. And I sort of found it to be really sad. And this sort of keeping up with the Joneses and, and finding your worth in how many comments you had or how many followers you had. And around that time, I was like, you know what? I don't even want to blog. I want to just find like good, real relationships off social media. I want to use social media, but I'd rather still like have a great cup of coffee or have a beer with someone. And I just want to do really good work and put it out there consistently and see if that works. We started this podcast series with the intention to give you a more personal and hopefully a bit deeper relation with the Way Up North 2015 speakers. Get to know them a little bit better, basically. Whether or not we've succeeded with that so far uh, is up to you to decide, of course. But personally, I think that Cole's talk this week with the visual genius and uh, Pinterest mastermind James Mose does just that. It gave me a deeper understanding as to why he does what he does with his business. And after listening to the talk, I feel like I know James a little bit better. Hopefully you'll do the same in about 60 minutes from now. You're listening to the Way Up North podcast. My name is Jacob and I'm the editor of this interview series where my colleague Cole talks to the speakers coming to Way Up North in Stockholm this October. I'll keep this intro short and let you guys enjoy this week's episode with James Mose instead. From July 2015, over a pretty decent Skype connection between Vancouver, where Cole is at the moment, and uh, James' hometown of Seattle. Enjoy! So, James Mose, how are you? I'm alright. Great! This has started out well. So, when we released the names of the uh, presenters for Way Up North, you were you were like the surprise one for a lot of the European crowd, which is the majority of the people coming to Stockholm. Um, not because you're like not well known, but maybe not as well known in in Europe. And I'm curious, like you uh, with the work you do, which is awesome, and everything that like you do in you know putting out your work online and things like that. It seems like you're pretty, I don't know, quiet online. Is is that by design? Yeah. um, I sort of like have a... That's an interesting question. I've sort of not wanted to play the game as much as I can, but also play the game at the same time. And so I'd... um, How do I... I, Can you ask a more pointed question? (laughs) You seem like you're a busy guy and you you, you do things like you you do an engagement session in Peru uh, at Machu Picchu. Something like that. If if the average, I did the air quotes there, but if the average photographer did something that incredible, and we're just using this one specific example, Mm -hmm. I mean, they would pimp that hard probably to get attention to be the the photographer everyone wants to be like because you do such incredible exotic things but you seem like a little bit more modest about everything you do because when you look when i look at the work that you do it's on point every time but you don't share too much and overall like you're quiet online in your instagram feed for example is is pretty much like personal stuff for you and your family your facebook updates are seldom but when they are when you do put an update it's great so basically like your i i see your online personality is one that's a little bit more reserved and i'm and I, my pointed question is is that by design or do you just like not want to play the game as you said yeah i mean i think there there's like two 
there's a few ways I could answer that question. One is, um, I don't feel like one needs to share that much to get enough work for the year. If I only need 20 to 30 clients a year, I don't need to be spending so much energy sharing a ton of work. I just need to be able to release a couple, a few really good jobs a year and maintain good relationships with the photographers and planners um, and past clients. And, I, and I'm, I've been taken care of every year. Um, so I think there's, there's an attraction to really push myself and like um, getting a lot of feedback and getting a lot of attention. But I don't know if it's, ne- I just don't feel like it's necessary. Um, it's putting, it's, I, th- I feel like it's a time distraction away from just spending time with my family or pursuing other things. So like you're, I think, how did you say it earlier? You're not interested in getting caught up in the game? Yeah. So, so like, what do you think the game is? Like, do you, do you, I mean, <laughs> we're getting right into it, by the way. We skipped all the, uh, well, I'm, I remember early on, um, back in like, I mean, I started in like 2008 and people were blogging two, three times a week. And I remember hearing conversations where it'd be like, man, I like commented on their blog and they never like commented back. And then people were getting really sort of like self-conscious about um, who was commenting here and how many comments they got on a post. And I sort of found it um, to be really sad. Um, And this sort of keeping up with the Joneses and and finding your worth in how many comments you had or how many followers you had. Um, And around that time, I was like, you know what? I don't even want to blog. I want to just find like, good real relationships like off off social media i want to use social media but i'd rather still like have a great cup of coffee or a great beer have a beer with someone um and i just want to do really good work and put it out there consistently and see if that works um but there just seemed to be both like this this sense of worth based on how many comments or how many followers you had and also sort of a culture of of leaders and followers where um these people this group this group of people were the the big names and everybody else sort of wanted to be able to touch the corner of their cloak and find their magic and and i found it to be sort of just uh i just had like a knee-jerk reaction to it and i was sort of like you know i just want to build some genuine relationships i want to do some genuine work um and i want to see if that is enough that's interesting. And, and how many followers do you have on Pinterest? Like 1.2 million. So like where, okay, so I, I brought that up because there's like a bit of a dichotomy there, you might say. Like one, you, you aren't interested in having people touch your cloak, for example. So like the, the social media game with um, with your photography work is less important. But then again, like on the personal side of things, if you have that many followers on Pinterest, like are you pretty active there? And are you like trying to build a little bit of a, a brand following outside of your photography? Because Pinterest is mostly your interests and your tastes. Yeah. I mean, with Pinterest, I mean, it was, um, it, that really happened organically. It's something that I'm really interested in interiors, design, fashion, um, curating in general. And so, I mean, I became a featured user, a ton of followers happened over a year. Um, but it wasn't something that I was like, just hash, I was using like 30 hashtags to gain followers on Pinterest. So it wasn't something that I was necessarily pursuing. And it's not something I still even kind of pursue to like, I need to feed my followers. It's something more that I feel what's important about the followers on Pinterest is that it affirms that I do have good taste and I'm not just delusional. <laughs> or maybe I'm still delusional and, and all those people are as well. Um, <laughs> Or maybe they're all bots, but you know, uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I think it's maybe another way of putting it. Like I haven't even read the book tribes, but, um, I think Seth Godin tribes, I think yeah. that's a book. Um, but there's something of like, you know, you need like a thousand people who really care about you and are following you to make, to make your business work or to, to make a difference. I believe. Yeah. And was it, was that the number? Yeah, he says it was a thousand followers, and and the best quote that I plucked from that book is "relationships only matter when they're real," 
And uh, it sounds to me like that's like that's your philosophy in a nutshell. Would you say? Yeah, that's what I'd say. So I, I often say it's like all I need is like a cute following. You know, I, I don't need a ravenous major. Yeah, I think that's all I can sort of handle. So that, that's that's kind of cool. Like, what do you what do you mean a cute following? Like a cute following in what way? Oh, as in like uh, it's a, a cute. It's like a smaller number. So a thousand would be amazing, but if I had two fifty, maybe that would make it work. But even a thousand's fine, and it's like I have what four thousand followers on Instagram. But if I have re- relationships with a lot of them, that will feel good. Well, this this approach that you have, like it, when I'm hearing it, it makes complete sense. But it also feels like it maybe caters towards having more of a local focus with your business. Do you do you differentiate like I want to be the local guy, or I want to do destination weddings, or like do you have kind of like a a target? geographic area with your business no i mean i think like last year i did like two jobs in seattle and maybe a few jobs in british columbia so it's like 95 percent travel this year it's probably like 70 percent travel um i think pretty early on as well i didn't look at um geography so much as uh one could say like psychographics and so it's more of a, a lifestyle and values um market that I looked at rather than a geographic one. So essentially my goal early on was I want to shoot in interesting places places for interesting people. And interesting people for me would be people with an artistic bent. So that'd be other photographers, graphic designers, art directors, uh, people in the fashion industry, architects. Um, and so that's sort of the, the crowd I was looking for. And then within that, I would say what what is essential for a lot of those people, especially those non-wedding photographer creatives, is that my photography doesn't feel like wedding photography. And so I had an article in like a LA art blog where they where they posted a wedding I shot in Palm Springs and they called it anti-wedding wedding photography. And so it wasn't photography that was super sentimental. Um, and they, and that sort of like resonated with me. Whereas I, the biggest thing for my photography is that it's not cheesy, but it still has emotion. And so that's what a lot of people within the art scene, they look at a lot of wedding photographer sites and it'd feel really sort of over the top or sentimental. And so for me, what I wanted to do in, on my site is have it be fairly quiet relaxed um and allow that allow people to breathe when they saw it um and i feel like also posting less would sort of flow with that vibe but if if i posted a ton and i wrote a ton um it'd be harder to be in that same uh in that same vibe yeah that makes it makes a lot of sense for you and it, and it sounds very easy. <laughs> it does. I mean, it just rolls off your tongue in a very easy way. And it's like, oh, okay, well, post less and you'll get, you know, the more specific clients that you want, which sounds like it's working great for you. Yeah, it's it's working, you know. And But I, th- I think it's kind of like, for me, looking at commercial photographers is an interesting one. And that was also right away early on was um, where a lot of wedding photographers were blogging a ton and really earnest and and trying to get feedback, um, I would look at a commercial photographer whose site would be updated once or twice a year, and then they would have like a Tumblr blog of behind-the-scenes photos that were kind of embarrassing half the time, but it gave gave an insight into who they were. Um, And so I was like, well, what if I went that route and kind of approached it in that sort of way? Um, another sort of way of looking at even commercial photographers, it's not uncommon for me to look at a commercial photographer's website and go like, wow, that's still stuck in like 20, uh, like 2001 or 2002, like the certain like web font, the pictures, pictures are still pretty small. And I was like, but I see that you're keeping really busy and I want, I follow you on Instagram and you're shooting big shoots in France and Italy, etc." And I quickly realized like for them, they have their connections. They have their their art director from an ad agency in France, in Italy, in Spain, in New York. And as long as they keep good relationships with those 
art directors, they will continue to get return work. And what's sort of the equivalent within the wedding photography market? The equivalent would be like um, some planners that you really like, planners or designers you really like to work with, some photographer peers who can pass on really good work to you and you can pass on good work to them. And is there much more that is, is needed? Um, you can keep like throwing out into the into the SEO pool or in, into the Google um, AdWords and get a ton more inquiries, which is just more inquiries that you need to deal with. the The danger of my game is that I'm only going to get less inquiries. I can't count on getting ten the next day and the next day. And so, when there's a connection, I need to sort of pray that they have the budget to work with me. What is your like? What is your view on competition? Because, I mean, there are going to be other photographers with similar philosophies who are going to try and you know build deeper relationships with the contacts that you have now. And and if you're sort of somewhat reliant on um, getting those referrals from the connections you have, like how do you view competition, or do you view competition? Yeah, I uh, I don't really view competition too much. I mean, I think. I kind of have a good idea of who sort of my peers are and who people have similar vibe. And I, I kind of see them as friends. There's only so many weekends a year. I only need so many jobs. Um, I, I try not to get too anxious about it. Okay. How do you view competition, Cole? <laughs> I don't. I have the blinders on all the time. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's back it up a bit. Like you, you clearly like have looked at other artistic realms, like commercial photographers, and and you mentioned a few other things. So, what's your background? It doesn't sound like you came into wedding photography from a marketing position or or something like that, for example. So, what's your what's your background? Yeah, I studied fine art in college, um, but I was not not necessarily an amazing fine artist, as in like an illustrator or a painter although that's what I did a lot of. Um, I, st I, st I started taking art classes in my first year, didn't realize um, it wasn't just graphic design, but I found it to be very um, very healing for me to just to sit and draw or sit and paint. And so I switched it to my major in my third year. And uh, yeah, I really liked the ability to explore questions um, in a non-linear, more artistic way. Okay, so... so doing artistic things was healing for you what what needed to be healed uh i think it's more like what still needs to be healed i don't know i think it was just i had a lot of i have a lot of questions in general and i had a lot of questions growing up um and so i can be a bit of a restless soul um so i think if anything art just allows me to be more present with myself and with others and what what kind of things are you questioning you're you sound like a deep dude like a, like a <laughs> philosophical guy. So I'm not going to try and go on an intellectual level with you here because it sounds like you've thought about a lot of stuff, but what kind of things are you thinking and what kind of questions did you need to have answered? No, I mean, I, that's a, that's a really hard one to, to get into with, I don't know how particular I want to get versus how, how general, but essentially, I mean, I grew up in a, in a re very religious upbringing, um, in a, in a, in a culture that, was a lot more black and white when I saw things in, in gray, let alone rainbow. Um, and so I had a lot of questions just about in general, like what does life mean? Um, what is the meaning of life? Uh, but at that point it was probably more in reaction to my, um, more fundamentalist Christian upbringing. Okay. So these questions, I mean, we don't need to get specific, like what is the meaning of life? But like these, these questions that you had, do you feel like, uh, you kind of grew out of it a little bit with the art, arts that you involved yourself in, or, or are you still a deep thinking guy like that today? I find it's a, it's one of those strange ones, strange things to answer is like I'm a deep thinker, like <laughs> like like that that the, the person beside me on the airplane, like they don't have very many deep thoughts, but I got some deep thoughts. <laughs> um, let me tell you, uh, no, I mean I I still I still am very much bent that way. Fair enough. So have your have your questions and interests like expanded to other areas outside of, you know, religion and things like that as you gotten a little bit older? Mostly into like having two kids, um, 
how to how to deal how to deal with strong-willed children um you know <laughs> so it's 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 how to deal with myself in in the five-year-old version of myself now so that that's where my attention is okay i see so how old are your kids now uh moses is five and then dorothy is two and your is your wife also uh canadian uh she's american and you have a few passports yeah what are they so dutch american and canadian so uh, my father was Dutch. My mother was American. I was born in Canada. So if you were backpacking around Bolivia or wherever, and somebody said, like, or somebody asked you, where, do, where are you from? What would you say? And I'm thinking about like a cultural answer. Like, do you feel like you're more culturally X, Y, or Z? I mean, I would say I'm from the States. I would say I'm from Seattle. And then if we got into a, a longer conversation, I would, I would start spewing Canadianisms. Okay, so culturally, do you feel like you're more Canadian or more American or more Dutch? <laughs> well, so yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm more Canadian, but I think that I wear a bit of each in different scenes. So I think uh, I, I feel like I'm more. I think because of that, I see myself more as a global citizen. Less, I let I less have like a national identity, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes I, sense. I don't. I don't really uh, buy into nationalism too much. You're a human of the world. <laughs> so back to your studies. Um, when you were getting into painting and illustrating the other things that you did with your education, um, were there things that you felt like you were stronger at than others? Did, like, did you like do an illustration course, for example, and you were like a little light bulb went on in your head and you thought, okay, maybe I can take illustration and make that my career. Like, did you have things outside of photography that, you know, stuck out as, as strengths as yours i mean i was doing graphic design at the time a lot so i, wor I worked at school newspaper so that was, this was something i'd say is my strength but within sort of even painting or um, illustrating it was sort of composition is something that i really felt was my strength which also kind of made sense as a photographer was probably one of the first things that resonated with me in taking pictures was composition okay because i didn't see myself like to be honest, I saw myself somewhere in the in the graphic design, photography, um, commercial arts realm already in college. When you were doing the college course, I'm, I'm curious about this because I think that like your education clearly like kind of helps shape your path a little bit later on. And within education, at least the education that I know of, like you're, you're taught how to think in a way as opposed to like the practical this is how you paint. So do you feel like your like attraction to uh, an artistic client came from developing a, a theoretical way of thinking? Like, do you, do you know, do you know what I mean? Um, because like in, a, in an art school, I I'd imagine that you, you, you learn the basics. This is how you do it. But you also learn, this is how it's been done in the past through like the history of various art forms. And then you have to apply that onto yourself. And so you have a kind of a theoretical backing of critiquing yourself. So like the way that you approach art might be different than a guy like who's learned on his feet, for example. Uh, so your theoretical kind of like education, do you apply that now? And do you think that's why you get the clients that you do? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I'd say there's probably like two reasons why the, the clients would kind of work. So one, in, in a sort of theoretical way, um, I would say my pictures are pretty rational. So they're not just sort of just from a, a, just like an emotional image. There's, there's a real rationality to them. When the, and that is in sort of, I think, the composition and sort of the poses um, where, where I feel like the art world does not want sentiment too much. And I'd say I kind of resonate with that. But also, I think, working with creative Creative, more artistically bent clients is that I speak their language. I think a lot of times, what the if we want to connect with our clients, which is super important as wedding photographers, if we're going to be the person beside them on their most important day, it's good if we're able to kind of speak their language. And if we have similar interests, that's going to make it that much easier. Okay, so you answered the question well, and it was a shitty question. It wasn't worded very. It wasn't worded very well, but it, I'm glad that you kind of like interpreted it that way because that was that was what I was curious about. Like, like with a theoretical point, like your background now clearly resonates with the people who are hiring you, and you can speak their language. But 
with your work, like, like Jakob and I have followed your work for a long time and we really, really like what you do, obviously. And we're not artistic guys. Like, and what I mean by that is like, we're, we're not uh, commercial photographers. We're not like going to be able to have a theoretical discussion with you about the history of art. So like my point here is like, if you get hired by these people who are like, not the creatives, not the ideal clients, which is bound to happen from time to time. Like, do you kind of like chameleon your way into working with different personalities, but still get the same outcome? Yeah. Uh, the expectations um, often shift throughout the day though <laughs> and actually probably shift even before the wedding happens so I mean I, I kind of know looking at a wedding year um, which weddings and which clients I'm going to be able to play the most with or um, have the most visual interest to work with um, and so when it's a, a client that is less so um, I often feel like there's a grieving process throughout the day where I'm, I'm having to say like, well, yeah, it's not going to happen. Grieving, a grieving process. <laughs> That's very deep. <laughs> so like, you're, you're like with your personality, uh, if I'm to like, just go like mega, um, conclusion here, which may or may not be right. Like your personality seems like it could adapt to a lot of different s scenarios. Like you, you seem like the kind of guy who could sit down and have a, a deep or a not so deep conversation with, with pretty much anybody. So do you feel like that is something that like a lot of people know about when they find you online? Like do you do you have a, a place where you, you display that well rounded personality kind of? I wish I did. I, I don't think I do. I think it's uh for better or worse and I think this is kind of what you were saying, it's like not many people know about me as much as some other um, of the speakers for your conference is that I can be a bit of a mystery online um, to a fault. Well, you can look at it as a fault or you can look at it as a humongous asset, I think, because yeah, I'm just saying there, there's two sides of the coin. And so, so on one hand, I, I'm a, I, I can seem a bit aloof, but can, but what people see is my work and a certain angle and they resonate with that. Um, but there's a lot of questions that could be begging as to who I am. And so. Wow, you're the man of mystery, James. <laughs> but this seems interesting to me because it's like, I don't know if you think that strategically about your own business. Do, do you? Do you think? Yeah, I think I think very strategically. Um, I just act very little. Ah, uh, well, maybe that's part of the strategy. <laughs> hey, Moses, can you go? Can you go to mom? Can you close the door, too? Moses? Jakob gets to edit. Jakob can cut all this out. So to go back to that point, like you're like you're you're a clever guy and strategy definitely maybe you don't think strategically, like you drop a business plan or a marketing plan or whatever, but this elusive guy online, th that is that part of the strategy in itself, do you think? Uh, no, it's more of a byproduct, I'm going to say. I think what it is is what I want to put out there are things I'm certain of. What I, what I, what I want to put out there are um, is my work that I'm 100% proud of and words that I can 100% get behind. And I think that kind of goes into sort of my... Um, I'm st I still feel young and figuring myself out. And so for me, just to put myself out there... I'm, I'm less prone to just sort of putting out raw um, raw impressions of who I am. Do you ever feel like you have like a paralysis by analysis? Like do you ever do you do, you do more work um, that maybe people think you do and you, you kind of go into a, maybe a little bit of a shell because you're overanalyzing what you're doing? Oh, definitely. So what do you do to like what do you do to kind of like break out of that from time to time and, and unleash the little nuggets of work that you do that are so spectacular? Like, like it sounds like you're a super tough critic on yourself. Yeah. I don't know. I have a few moments of grace a year <laughs> where I'm able <laughs> to release stuff. Um, there's a, there's a few things with that. I mean, one is that that's an ongoing journey for me, um, for me to be more um, in the way that I can be very curious and compassionate towards others. 
that that is something that is a a habit that I've had to um, cultivate for myself towards myself. But the other side of it is, I think the longer I've shot weddings, the less the less it's been about how do I share with everybody, but how do I share how do I share with my clients, and so. I'm sharing work all the time with those who are supposed to get it. Um, you know, and so in the same way of like, do I, am I, am I getting my sense of worth off all the followers and all the retweets uh, or the Instagram comments, or am I getting my worth off the mother and the father of the bride, giving me a big hug or dancing with me on the dance floor or um, really connecting with this, this couple and being able to deliver images where they feel really loved and special. I think like that is, that's the only way this business can be soul sustainable is that is if you can find worth in the actual practice of shooting and connecting and delivering to clients. The other part, the marketing part can be such a huge focus. And I think was a game I was very aware of, even if I played it very lightly, was a game I was hyper aware of. But it's not going to bring personal fulfillment to my everyday. Um, I think another way of even putting it, and it's not a, this is not an either or. But I remember photographing a wedding in Hawaii, and my my assistant, we were we were, sit, we were sitting on like uh, a ranch uh, deck at the end of the wedding, and we were going to take a bus back to the the resort with the with the with the, with the rest of the wedding guests. And there was different guests who were who were coming up to me uh, and just thanking me for. Um, for a great day and for making a, making the photographs a great experience, etc. And she was like, James, like this is what it's about. Like, I I have like amazing artistic wedding photos, but like our photographer was a total douche to us and didn't treat us well and and made made me feel bad for like asking for some group photos. Um, and so when I look at those photos. That is what I. That is what I return to. That experience of having a sort of disappointing experience with a photographer, um, even though the pictures are are super artistic. That is what I feel, and it's not an either or. And you you can get, give a great experience um, and be prolific online with your marketing and sharing. Uh, but for me, like that was something where how do I keep how do I cultivate that as my priority. Um, and so that's kind of been a big thing for me. At the same time, I want to be able to cultivate sharing <laughs> in a in a more generous way and being less critical with myself. Um, but that's sort of where that comes from. This is profound, man. Like it's really cool to hear that because uh, not many, it, from what I gather, not many people that I follow think that way. Yeah, and I'm curious how many people you follow um, are going to be able to continue shooting weddings. Or gonna like after they kind of hit, after they kind of hit their their plateau of, of followership or comments, will they look for a new exit strategy for something that satisfies? Um, so with the exit strategy point that you just brought up, what are you doing right now with your career and things like that? Yeah, I'm photographing uh, probably like sixty percent of the weddings I shot last year, and then I'm, I have a marketing director job at a a local ice cream company in Seattle. So can you elaborate on that? And what, and what I'm particularly interested in is like there are only so many hours in a day and you have two kids, which is a, a lot of work because they're both fairly young and you have a photography business, which is clipping along very well. And you have a million followers on Pinterest that you need to appease to. So how do you incorporate like a marketing director position, which you which you now have into the foray and how did that come about and why are you doing it? Yeah, just like ask me ten questions at once. Why don't you call? Just pluck out, pluck out yeah, which yeah. one you want. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it came about like I, um, the owner of the ice cream company, Molly Moon's. Um, so Molly Moon herself, I photographed her elopement at like Treehouse Point outside of Seattle, like three, four years ago. Um, so I kind of built a relationship with her already then, and I was photographing, you know, just different little marketing shoots for her over the past couple years, or like a a video of how to make an ice cream pie. Um, but there came a point where I was like, you know what, you're a really smart businesswoman and I would love for you to be 
my business mentor. Are you interested in that? She's like, well, actually, I could really benefit from your creative, creative advice. So why don't we just meet and we just swap? We, we, one week, you ask me questions. The next week, I ask you questions. And then I started doing more photography for her. But I realized that I was more interested in the concepting part of the photography than just sort of executing her vision. And so I was like, is there room for some sort of creative consultant position? And so I did that last summer just for like 20 hours a month. And at the same time, my kids are getting older and I'm, I'm traveling a lot. And I kind of came to the point where it's like the novelty of traveling by myself was getting harder. Um, and there was, a, there was a time last last September where uh, my my return flight from San Francisco was uh, was delayed and I had to stay one more night in San Francisco. And my son Moses was had been excited to, to see me see me in the morning but uh, before he went to school. But my wife had to tell him that you're not gonna see daddy till later. And he was like, Something's wrong. I feel like I feel like somebody just like punched me in the heart. And it was uh it was pretty profound to hear that and to see how um, my absence was affecting him. And, um, and so between that family effect and then um, realizing that I don't need to travel by myself as much anymore. Uh, I wasn't cultivating local friendships as much as I wanted to. Um, and having the time to go on family weekend, ex- uh, weekend uh, adventures, I was like, how could I do something different in 2015 where I'm home a little more often? And so I was like, well, I could try try go for like a local photography market, but I'm like, Seattle's super saturated and I'm going to be costing 20, 30% more than the average Seattle photographer who's pretty great. So that's sort of like a path that seems crazy because I'd probably have to shoot twice as much to get the same amount of income. So I was like, well, maybe there's something with with the ice cream shop and, and to flex a different muscle and to see you have to collaborate with more people and maybe that will be something that is uh, fulfilling. Oh, it sounds so effortless when you describe it like that, like just a natural path that you kind of fell upon. You know, it's it's life is an odd thing, you know, and I really do feel like I've just been taken care of for like the last five years and that like the right things have happened at the right time. <laughs> and there, there's been a lot of thought and strategy into it. And there's been a lot of relationship building into it. Um, you know, I, I don't, I feel like there's in some ways, uh, Ed Pierce was very similar in his talking. I feel like there's a lot of strategy and relationship building, but it all so, sort of seemed effortless. <laughs> that's, that's great. Like, I think people can like, they should listen to you. What you're, if anyone listens to this podcast, should listen to what you're saying and, and take note because I think there is a lot of efforts. And we're guilty of that with Nordica as well. Like there's too much effort sometimes in what your online persona is perceived as and how to get found and get attention online versus like the real relationship. Because it's like this position that you have right now that came about because of your work and because of a real relationship, not because you, you, know, you were looking at Workopolis or some job posting. Totally. And I think there's just, there's so many opportunities with like everybody who's around you. Like we're so blessed with the connections we make with our clients and with our peers. I mean, if you look at um, like one of my favorite wedding photographers of the past decade, it'd be like Justin Demers um, who ended up starting still motion video, but like they ended up, um, they were shooting, was it first photos or video They shot somebody who is, connected to the NFL network. And within two years, they were doing a feature film for ESPN on the NFL. You know, and their wedding, but it was it was purely a connection from the job and building a real relationship. Um, and just being open to, um, to taking another step somewhere. When you, <clears throat> when you kickstarted your career in wedding photography which was 2008 I think you said were you like did you have any kind of like one two three four five year plan in mind or did you approach it like I'm just going to think about the art of it and see what happens because hearing you speak now 
it sounds like maybe your focus could have been like, I want to foster real relationships from the get go. So did you have like a particular path you wanted to follow when you started in 2008? I mean, I think the first year was sort of just like hustle that that's pretty exhausting. But the second year I had, I did have a, a five year plan and I had realistic goals, audacious goals. And that was the amount of clients with finances, where I want to travel, who I want to shoot. Um, I was, I mean, I had a real business plan if you're looking, wondering about that. Well, okay. Well, let's just go a little bit deeper into that. Uh, like the hustle thing I'm interested in because there, there might be people listening to this right now and they're hustling or they think that they're hustling. And the other people who I've had this similar conversation with on the podcast, I mean, they've had their own versions of the hustle. So what was, what was your version of the hustle? What were you doing in the first year to hustle? No, so I mean, my first year was tough. It was, um, but it, yeah, how do I even? It's hard going back to the hustle, man. <laughs> um, I mean, I think a, a big first one was building relationships with peers. And so, um, my first seven months was in was in Vancouver, and I tried to connect with like-minded wedding photographers. Although I found very few at that time. I know a few more in Vancouver now, but. It was sort of a beginner or sort of this like uh, luxury, luxury market back in 2008. But when I moved to Seattle in September 2008, I right away connected with like-minded photographers. Um, and I didn't expect anything from them. I didn't ask that they needed to share work. But I just wanted to build genuine relationships so that, you know, I could be an encouragement to them. They could be an encouragement to me. And so like that would have been um, like a Sean Flanagan, Jenny Jimenez, uh, ben Blood. There was a, there was a number of photographers that I connected with, uh, Sarah Rhodes. Um, so that I wanted to learn from them and build relationships with them, and I believe that would be sort of my best way to get my name and work out there. Do you feel like it was a big advantage coming from the arts education that you had to just kind of like jump in the mix, so to speak, with those very talented and established? wedding photographers because you're sounds like at that time you're a new kid on the block and not a big wedding portfolio i wouldn't have uh, wouldn't assume so like how do you how did you get in with those types yeah i think i had a few weddings that were decent already and so i already had a fairly decently curated or designed portfolio um and then i don't know i think i like usually people don't respond if you seem really needy um so i think like if I'm to get an email that's like, hey, how can I just like buy you coffee and just pick your brain for an hour? That's not like the most enticing way of connecting with someone. So I think just like connecting with people as real people. And I didn't even talk necessarily about photography a lot. It was more just to connect as people. And I think that people really actually like that. <laughs> um, I think I think the other part of the hustle really was getting work uh, featured on online blogs already at that point. And so I had two or three in my first couple of years. And I think that was huge for me to get work outside of Seattle. So don't want to jump around too much now, but I'm going to anyway. Um, so like now, uh, a few years later in the game, do you look at things like a, a wedding blog as like a necessary evil, a part of the process? Or do you, do you kind of enjoy the things that are related to the wedding industry? Because from what I'm just kind of like concluding here, it looks like you or it sounds like you look outside of the wedding industry quite a bit, but do you still sort of involve yourself every now and again, just to kind of have a moderate pulse with things like wedding blogs? Yeah. I mean, I want to have my best work featured in the best places it can be featured. And so I will leverage my work on a wedding blog a few times here, but it's, but it's not like I visit wedding blogs to look at other people's work. Are you saying that way? That, I mean, yeah, well, I guess what I'm kind of like going towards a little bit here is like, I'm on quite a few wedding photography forums. I don't know why sometimes yeah, but yeah. I am. So I feel like I'm on quite a few, but you're not on any. And I love that. <laughs> like you're, you're that, that goes back to the elusive thing. So I guess to try to be a little bit more direct with the question is like, what's your level of care with what happens in the wedding photography industry because it doesn't seem like you're a guy who's trying to like change the world and revolutionize what's happening in wedding photography so like what's your level tell of... me tell me what's happening in the forums that's changing and revolutionizing uh wedding photography that's 
that's what I'm going for. That's perfect. So like, <laughs> so what's your like level of care with being involved? With I, that? I, I, I love the wedding industry. Like I have a lot of friends. Like there was a, I mean, I, I, I was at photo field trip in California the last two years. And after this last one in March, I remember just kind of like, I think I was, might even just been an airplane. I started just writing down all the people, um, that I've been able to connect with because I've been a wedding photographer. And that's both like other wedding photographers to designers and florists to clients. And it was just, I was blown away by how many amazing people there are within this industry and that have had a real effect on me and I've been able to have a, an effect on them. So I, I really care. Um, but I just don't, I just have never been a forum guy. And the other part about it is, is that like photography is not exactly rockets, rocket science. Like cameras aren't that complicated. Like it's a tool that you need to learn how to work with light and that you need to learn how to connect with people. Um, and then I think beyond that, it's like you need to learn to ha who you are is the biggest thing so that you can actually express that in the clearest and most profound way possible. Um, if I was to just keep looking at other people's work, I would probably get really sad about mine. And uh, or or I'd look at a lot of people's work and then feel just like um, feel amazing about myself in a bad way. <laughs> so. Um, but no, I mean, I, I like looking at my peers' work and being inspired. But I think there there's a season for that. But I really think um, where uh, how photography is going to change for oneself in the biggest way is by getting to know yourself more. And um, that's no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And with you getting to know yourself more, if you want to put it that way, one thing that you don't appear to do is things like workshops and uh even presenting really like you're coming to stockholm which we're very happy about and i think that you presented at photo field trip as well but like on a whole you're you don't like strike me as the kind of guy who's like driven to host workshops and driven to be a presenter per se so is that am i correct in assuming that and if i am then why are you kind of like hesitant to do that sort of thing I think it kind of comes back to the self-critical part of myself. So I think like where I'm critical of my own work or I don't really put myself out there. I think it's the same sort of way, sort, sort of thing with um, presenting or uh, um, workshops. I think workshops would be great though. Like I could get all the renovations on my house done that I want. No, no. And I think, I think there, there will be a time and season. It has to be the right opportunity. Um, but yeah, I, I still feel, um, it's one of those interesting ones where it's often like, if I don't have it all together, how can I teach people? Don't you feel like you have it all together? No, not at all. <laughs> Do you feel like you have it all together, Cole? <laughs> no, this would be my answer. But no, like, like artistically, come on, like you're, you must be, you're just being modest then if you don't feel like artistically you have it together in a way and have something that you could share. Because when I look at your work, it's come on, like, and, and your philosophy on how you get to that work, like get to the end product, it sounds like it's a well thought out process that people would be curious to learn more about. I'm not trying to thanks talk. For, I'm not. Th th <laughs> thanks. Thanks for inviting me. I'm not, no, I mean, I, I really, I probably just need more encouragement in that way. Um, and I think it'd be healthy for me. Uh, interesting. And so that's where I think it's, it's healthy for me to go out to Sweden. So. so, all right. So let's kind of like wind things down slightly here. Uh, yeah, have you ever been to Sweden? Are you? What are you curious about with Sweden? Are you coming alone to Sweden? Are you bringing your family to Sweden? <laughs> <laughs> As of right now, I'm coming alone. Um, I can't wait. I'm really. I've never been to Scandinavia. I've. I feel like I resonate as sort of being a nor of Northern European descent mm -hmm. to be have a Scandinavian influence. Um, like, okay, another way that uh, to ask this is, like, do you do you go to a lot of, like, photo conventions and things like that, like WPPI, et cetera, et cetera? And when you go to those, like, what are you curious to get out of it as, as an attendee versus now as a presenter? I mean, at, when I've gone to, like, Photo Field Trip or WPPI, I mean, it's been about building real relationships. So it kind of goes back to the same thing, you know? And I think that's... It's it's uh, as much as 
as much as there are these keynote um, speakers or little little workshops, uh, for me it's always been about sort of like having breakfast with someone, um, having lunch with someone, having a meal with someone, going for a walk with someone, um, and really connecting on a heart level um, about photography and life. Okay, so when you go as a presenter, like, <laughs> how do you like approach it differently? Like, because you don't do a lot of these presentations, uh, and Jakob and I knew that when we yeah, wanted yeah, yeah, you yeah. to come. So, so what's your like, f what's your approach this time around? Like, uh, like, have you started thinking about it? Like, what do you think you're going to leave on the table for the attendees who who listen to you? Am I taught? Yeah, I hope it'll be real, um, and I, and I hope it'll allow allow them allow the attendees to to breathe easier um i think we can we can get really anxious about um making sure we have all the answers in the perfect picture and i think there's a there's a way there's a, a sole sustainable way of, of staying within staying within the the wedding photography world um that can be both like yeah enriching on a professional level on a personal level well, I'm breathing easier after talking to you for 50 minutes here, Matt. So, <laughs> yeah, I hope so. no, that's a, a like that. Your approach is different than anyone else that I know of in this industry. That that's I think now I might have a little bit of a, a better understanding why now after talking with you for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I just want to get to know Swedes. So you know, I've been watching Wallander, <laughs> um, both the British and the Swedish versions. That's the gateway to, to everything you need to know about Swedish culture right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sweden's a, a great place. You'll enjoy your time there, I'm sure. Yeah. All right, man. Well, that uh, that about does our little chit-chat here. Oh, thanks for the morning. But uh, thanks thanks a lot for, uh, for taking time out of your morning to do this. Uh, I know you got a lot going on with renovations and kids and everything else. So thank you for this. Oh, thank you. All right, man. Well, we'll be in touch on the line and uh <laughs> and take care all right cheers dude all right bye bye james mose such an interesting man although i look forward to hearing all of the speakers in october i'm really curious about james's talk much because he's such a quiet character online but at the same time one of the most brilliant artists out there if you want to get in touch with us, you can, as usual, email us at info at wayupnorth.co or shoot us a message in any of the social media channels. You'll find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at wayupnorth2015. Thanks for listening and talk soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.